So great watching this. So great watching Charlie and Alexa come back from Hawaii. So great. Dear Jesus, we just... <laughs> oh, I love seeing your faces. Everybody have a good week. Everybody else have a good week. <laughs> good morning to you. Welcome. Love seeing you. Love being here. Love the church. Love the opportunity to come together for communion, for fellowship, which we're really good at, and for a time to look at God's Word. And this morning, we're, we're, we're still in the Forgotten God series. Uh, this week, we're talking about the right reason. That's the title. And, and really, the idea that we have this morning is that the Spirit will move for the right reasons. The Spirit is going to move in our church for the right reasons. Now, this isn't like um, I, I think about, about Zoe. I think about um, kids. And, and kids, sometimes, you'll ask them to do something, and they'll either ask you why, or they'll be like, I, I don't want to, or they'll ignore you. Um, and in a sense, I mean, that sounds like that they'll move for the right reasons, right? Because you'll have to raise your voice, say that you'll take away privileges or stuffies, which are stuffed toys, um, as, we, as Zoe calls them. Um, so you have to give them the right reasons to move, right? This isn't like that. Um, the Spirit, the Spirit's not like a child and looking for the right reasons like that. The, the, the Spirit is going to move for the right reasons of the heart. The Spirit is going to move for the right reasons in us that have, have changed, um, that openness in us, that um, laying our will aside like a child should, right? And we're trying to help a child see that, like in, in being in a restaurant, being quieter, being at school, listening to their teachers, um, playing with other kids, being, being kind. And um, there's a lot of that in us. The Spirit's looking for those right reasons, looking for the right reason in us to move. Um, and so that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, well, let's just pray as we head into um, God's Word. Um, we're going to be looking at Philippians 1, so if you want to turn there with me, um, we will read from there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come together around your word. Uh, make it like a, like a bonfire <laughs> um, in our lives, God, that we would gather around this bonfire of your word and that it would burn away the things that are not of you and that it would leave the things that are of you. We praise you for your word. We pray for revelation this morning. Uh, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in uh, chapter 1 in Philippians, we're starting in 20, uh, verse 20. It says 21 in your, your outline, but I actually uh, missed a verse in there. Um, starting in verse 20, it says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. Um, so I really don't know which is better. 
I'm torn between two desires. I, I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will, be, that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Um, our first point this morning is expectant hope is a right reason. Expectant hope is a right reason. The idea that Paul was, had this expectancy that God was not going to put him to shame. That God was keeping him around for that first season of the church to write letters to the churches that, that impact us today, that have impacted how the church operates today, how the church will operate tomorrow. He was not put to shame, was he? That's not shame. <laughs> we would not know the name of Paul if God put him to shame, right? And I, and I, I think it's interesting that uh, the Spirit moved in this first season of the church and, and moved through Paul, um, through these letters, into people's lives and helped to guide them. And it all came from this expectancy that Paul had, this hope that Paul had of what God was going to do. Are you living, in a, a, a living a life of expectancy? Are you expecting the Holy Spirit to move? It's okay to say no. That's honest. It's hard. Because if we live in that, that place of not expecting, we're not living in a place of faith. Faith is expectancy, isn't it? I mean, think about um, Hebrews 11. One talks about this, um, this, uh, this confidence of those things that we hope for. And this assurance of things that cannot be seen, that is faith. That is a life lived of expectant hope. We're hoping that God is going to move in a way, but we're expecting him to move in a way. It's kind of this, this I don't want to say dichotomy because that's two separate things. It's almost like that paradox of expecting and hopeful. Because hopeful is hoping it's going to happen. Expectancy is it's going to happen. Living in the same person. Only the Spirit can do that, right? Only the Spirit can operate in those places of paradox where two things seem like they don't go together, yet they do. Because the Spirit is the, the glue that holds that together. There's this, this expectancy like a child. Watch a kid and how they expect things. Like thinking about Christmas. There's this expectancy, right? I was, I was that kid that was so expectant I'd make myself sick. Because I love Christmas so much. I, I would get to where I had flu-like symptoms because I was so excited about Christmas time. Throwing up and everything. It wasn't the flu. It's just so, so excited and expectant of what God would do. And I think that this, um, I don't know if you've ever read this in Habakkuk or Habakkuk. Never really pronounced that right. Um, Habakkuk 3 is, um, uh, it, Habakkuk is this beautiful little, little book, one of the minor prophets that's just, it's beautiful to read. 
um, a friend of mine in college made a, a symphony around it. And um, anyway, there's, there's a section in, in chapter 3 where it talks about rays of light coming from his hands, where his power is hidden. Have you ever read that? It's talking about these, this, um, about the power that God has, and it's this, these rays of light coming from. And you almost see this this hand that's closed around something, and just this rays of light coming out. And I, I think about being a dad, coming home from some place where maybe I got a little something for Zoe, and I'm sitting there like this, and I've got, and she knows. She's like, "You've got something for me, don't you?" And she's all expectant, right? That's that expectant hope. And when I give that, it's like it's only just confirmation of what they're expecting. And they may not even know what it is you got for them, but there's still this like, it's going to be something good. You know what I mean? That is the expectancy that we must have with the Spirit. Things of the Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't had that happen in your life, we can talk after church. We can pray about it. If you need to have some questions answered, we can do that. But let me tell you, when you get to that place where you expect the Lord to move, in, in the process of finding out for ourselves what God's will is for our lives, there's an expectancy where we start going, oh, you want to go this way, God, okay. Okay, well, let's, let's go even further. And our God loves us. Our God loves us so much. He's, he's you know, he's not going to just, what is it, give us a, a scorpion? You know what I'm talking about? Fathers that know how to give, give good gifts to their, their children. I mean, God's going to give us good gifts. He's the ultimate God, the ultimate father, right? And he is the ultimate God, but he's the ultimate father, and if we can give good gifts, he's going to give way better ones through the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, here's where it turns a little bit for us because I think sometimes um, if you think about a kid, they're getting a gift. It's, it's a very selfish thing. It's something you're giving them. And, and, and yet, when it comes to the Spirit, the Spirit is going to give us gifts for the right reasons, but give us gifts that impact those around us. Let me say that one more time, I guess. Uh, um, The Holy Spirit is going to give us gifts that are going to impact those around us more than it is going to impact us. In the process, it may impact us, but spiritual gifts are not for you. Okay, we've heard that before. I've said that in the last couple weeks. There's something else that's not for you. We get a benefit from it, But we've talked about it. Worship is not about you. What are you talking about, Pastor? It's not. We are worshiping God. We are giving something He's given us in the first place to give back to Him. Another way to look at it is, you know what, we give a tithe. And, and not everybody does, and that's fine. I, this is something we learn as we walk through the process of following after God. But a tithe means tenth. We're giving a tenth of what we've been given. Just think about that. Um, he, he's not demanding it. He's not um, requiring it 
or you're going to be burned in the spot that you stand. <laughs> there is this sense of as we become obedient, we want to give more and more and more because he's given us everything, right? He's given us 100% and we give him 10%. <laughs> so any form or aspect of worship, tithing, singing, um, our prayer life, our life with the Spirit, it is not necessarily just for you. When you become a part of the kingdom of God, you become like, like currency for him. And he will spend you how he wills. Right? And it's so awesome to be spent. Okay, another way to say it, it, awesome to be sent. Is that a better way to it, it, Being spent feels a little like, ooh, am I a nickel or am I $10? What am I? Worth more than we think. Always worth more than we think. You can always keep thinking, oh, I'm worth a million. Nope. God thinks you're worth way more than that. But spiritual gifts are not just for you. Our second point is, um, and I'll read, I'll read 11 here in a second, but um, the second point is helping others is a right reason. This is a right reason that the Holy Spirit will move, is if we are helping others. 1 Corinthians 12, one, uh, 11 says that it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now that's a hard one to hear because we have some ministries that are pretty big. They're on the radio or on TV or, or go on these national tours. And, and there is a, there's a fine line between spiritual gifts operating in a, in a ministry and somebody saying, I heal people. You know what I'm saying? Because that gift was given by the Holy Spirit for the other people around him, not that person, to become famous. Okay? Now, there are ministries out there that, man, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is moving in them. They are healing people. Um, our denomination started uh, with a crazy lady. <laughs> I love Amy. <laughs> but she's a crazy lady. She, you got to be crazy to go get a, an old, um, it wasn't a Model T. It was a little bigger than a Model T. Drive around the country, setting up tents and, and doing revivals. And on the side of all of that, a ministry of healing came about to where um, they have a collection of, of crutches and, and things like that that, that were given to them in these ministries in the early days. And, and I'll tell you what, when the Holy Spirit moves in, in, in your life, you're going to impact others. If you're not impacting others, that might be a time to go, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? <laughs> Where do I need to go? Who do I need to get around so that you can gift through me to them? Helping others is the right reason. The right reason... Um, the right reason that will cause the Holy Spirit to move. Um, you've heard it said, how, how can God, th th this statement, you, you hear it a lot. How can God be a loving God if he allows suffering? You, you, the pictures that we had up here earlier um, from Texas. How can he be a loving God if he lets that happen? I got an answer for that. This happens not because of God. It happens because of the fall. 
the fall of Adam and Eve, the fall of humanity, really. We can't just blame it on Adam and Eve because if we were in Adam and Eve's spot and they were near perfect individuals and we've since (laughs) kind of, um, yeah, gotten a little bit more round around the edges um, than probably Adam and Eve were, they were perfect specimens and they fell. If we were in that position, we would have fallen. Don't think hindsight's going to help you in this one because if we were there, we wouldn't have known about it and we would have fallen. Our sin, nature, in this world allows for these things to happen. And our part of our, our disobedience are all part of this cause that is happening in this, this world and how this world is suffering. The world is suffering from the fall. The world is suffering from sin. You look at the natural world, it is suffering from sin. But I really believe that God allows for our suffering, for, for suffering in our lives, for our development. He's a perfect father. There's sometimes where you have to walk through hard things so that you can develop as a child of God. We suffer so that we are, are developing in our faith and our endurance and our patience. Oh, Boy, we love the word patience, don't we? Anybody need prayer for patience? <laughs> I, I, be careful with that one. It's like a, it's like a grenade. You, you will get opportunities to be patient if you pray for patience. Others and others suffering in this world. When we see others suffering in this world, it may also give us opportunities to help. That's probably the, the hardest one for us to pick up because sometimes we're just a little clueless and we're like, oh, somebody's suffering. Okay. Put some gum in and walk in the street. Um, but I think God, I think sometimes people might even get on that, that horrible, horrible path of feeling like, well, maybe God's just smiting them for something they did. Does our God smite people? Does our God smite people? He has. I mean, <laughs> I mean, even in the New Testament church, we see um, this couple that, that said, hey, look, we gave everything. Just keep that over there. Put it in your back pocket, you know. Um, they're telling everybody that they gave everything that they had from a, a sale of some property, and they didn't. And there was a smiting that happened. But I think because that happened, sometimes we think that the natural world, things that happen like Harvey and 9-11 and other things happen because, because we're a fallen people and God's smiting us. No. I don't think our God operates that way. I think there were some definite good, um, <laughs> good examples of a couple, that, a couple people in the Old Testament and the New Testament um, that we can read from and go, oh, I don't want to be that. Right? We learn from that history. We learn from our past. But I think that things like Hurricane Harvey, Katrina, um, 9-11, somebody having an influenza hit a certain area, whatever, these are all opportunities for us as a church to help. If it's somebody that's on the street and we can give them a meal because we have and they don't. If we can... Um, help somebody 
I mean, that, that giving somebody a leg up, you know. I mean, we want, we want to be able to, to not enable people, but we want to be able to help them help themselves. But sometimes it's hard to help yourself when you're on the street. There are things that we do in this, this, this country that are the rules and the regulations and taxes and all these kind of things that make it hard for people at a certain level to get out of where they're at. And that's where the church comes in. Not, not the government. The government sucks at it. Sorry, I'm using sucks, but the government sucks at helping people. Anytime we do that, all that happens is red tape, bureaucracy, get the finances before the people that need them. So if you take and have, you know, I mean, who was surprised that FEMA kind of tanked it at, at Katrina? How many people were surprised by that? Nobody. Because when government does it, they fail at it. Guaranteed. The bigger you make government, the more... Yeah, I'm just not going to go there. But the bigger the hearts of the people in the church are, the more he pours into you. I think sometimes we we get to that place like, you know, I, I hope and I pray that we can be a church that sends church planters. I mean, people are probably looking at me going, you're nuts. We've only got this many people right now, and, you know, some, some weeks it's a little thinner, and that is the call on the church. I, right now I'm looking around at a few of you and going, hmm, I wonder if, you know, if somebody lives in Kashmir, okay. I mean, that's the heart that we should have is that we should be thinking about how can we impact, impact people further and further out from our circle. And when we do that, I, we were a part of, Kelly and I were a part of a church that they sent out, um, we weren't there when this happened, but they sent out almost 200 people that sold everything um, and moved from Oregon to Colorado to start a church. 200 people. And within two weekends, they couldn't fit those 200 people back in the congregation. When the Holy Spirit is moving... He's going to send resource. He's going to send people. And, and if we're sending people and we're sending resource, he's going to replace that. Living a life of faith, living a life with the Spirit is that expectant hope, right? You know what? If we send out this, this $1,000 to this over here, we might not be able to pay this bill. Well, we've got to be really, you know, we've got to be good stewards, but we also have to operate with that expectant hope. God's going to fill in that need. You know that, I'm going to throw this out. This is, this is a praise for us. When we did these TVs, and I know sometimes these can be a little distracting, last weekend probably, but, but these are a great resource for us as a church, right? Aren't they? Well, here's something that happened. We went through and did all the processing and figuring out and, and doing our stuff, and we went to go get all of that, and the district sent us almost enough to pay for these. We, we committed ourselves to it. We're going to do it. And then those, the resources came for it and replaced what we spent. And we've had a number of those stories since, since Kelly and I have moved here that has been building my faith because I've been watching things that, like we went and spent this and that and did these and all of that and then turn around, it, somebody else gives a gift and it, it covers what we did. So when we get to the point of starting to send out resources to things like Harvey 
I'm going to operate from a place of faith. I'm going to say we can do more than that. Isn't that where we should be? I have less notes this week, so I'm not off track. I'm following the Spirit. (laughs) Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, um, And the same is true of you, since you um, are so eager to have the special abilities um, the Spirit gives. Seek those that strengthen the whole church. Um, It's good to seek any of the gifts. I mean, Paul says, like, um, you know, there were people that were seeking to speak in tongues. And he says, you know what, I speak tongues more than all the rest of you. You know what is even better to seek? A prophetic word. I mean, he was saying that just to give an example, but there there are things that that might feel good for us to go through. Um, And most of the time, when the Spirit's operating and moving through us, it's an awesome feeling to be used by by God. But even better than that is when we, when we seek really to find ways that the Spirit can use us in our church and our community. And when He gives us the spirits to do that, or the, the spiritual gifts to do that, wow. You know, being able to lift up an edifying word in a service. Mary does it all the time, right? But that's, that's a call on our life as well. We, being able to say, I feel like the Lord's saying this to you. And it may not be saying it in the service. You might just have somebody that has been put on your heart in the church and you go up to them and you go, I, I just need to share this word with you. I, I don't know if it means anything to you, but I'm going to share it with you. And you share it and you feel like you were a conduit for the voice of God. So number three is strengthening the church is the right reason. Strengthening the church is the right reason. Um, spiritual gifts, giving, faith, and many more gifts um, are gifts that can, can build up the church. If somebody's got that spiritual gift of, of, of giving, God bless you. <laughs> that's, that's a hard gift because it's giving joyfully. It's like giddy when you're writing a, your tithe check. <laughs> this is awesome. God's going to do something, you know. I mean, it sounds goofy, but seriously, if you get that giddiness inside of you, pray that that will be built up more in you. Because you know what, I've, I've met pastor, ministry leader, people in the church that have had that gift, and there's something awesome about the fact that I, um, they, they said, you know, I started out doing the, I started going 5% over. And now we're like, we're trying to do it with 50%. There's somebody in the church, they were, they were um, an older couple, and they were, they were working on living off of 50%, giving 50%. And they were excited about it because they said, every time we get to a point where we add another 5%, it gets better. Our, our joy in our life gets better. And, you know, if, if, you, have, if you have that spiritual gift of martyrdom, um, that's probably my lowest one. I, it's like a one-time use. <laughs> Got to be tongue-in-cheek. It's, it, I mean, it is a spiritual gift that God gives. Um, and there are people around the world right now that are martyring themselves for the church, for God and his word to get out. For Jesus to, to be preached to the multitudes, there are people, they're dying in prison. And it is a one-time gift. <laughs> but it is a huge gift. Um, there, there's so many other gifts. I mean, it, you, can, you can look them up. If you need to know where that is, we can, we can talk about it. If we need to have a special time and come in and talk about spiritual gifts, do spiritual gift tests, 
You can do those online, but we could talk about it. Um, discernment was one of my highest. As a worship leader, it's a great gift because you're looking out and you're looking at people and you could not even talk to people and you could discern what was going on in the spiritual in people's lives. And then you could speak prophetically into their lives because, yeah, I mean, there's a sensitive nature to being in worship with a sensitive people, with a uh, worshiping people. And, and the Spirit does speak about how people's lives are doing. It changes what you do. I mean, we had two more songs. I felt like we needed to stick around in a couple of those songs that we did. Um, felt like we needed to really um, talk about the Trinity and, and how uh, that impacts our lives. And so that's, that's that discernment operating in our, our midst. So, so praying for that, praying that God would give you gifts that could speak into our church and our community, those are the right reasons to be asking for those gifts. Loving others is, is probably the best place to start in strengthening the church. Um, as our giftings will be used in different ways as we are a part of a church and as the Spirit moves us to be prepared. Um, loving people. You notice that I'm a hugger. That's intentional. Um, I, had a, I had a worship pastor that I interned with, and I may have said this before. Um, he would do really awkward hugs with gentlemen. Nuzzle in, and he was one of these guys that he'd shave in the morning and have a five o'clock shadow by ten. Um, and so he'd nuzzle into the neck, and guys, oh. but he had done it for a number of years, and people loved him. And and he told me one time we're sitting there, and I'm like, man, you just you just do awkward hugs all the time. He goes, you know what I need to tell you. Main reason why, it's intentional. Main reason why is because most guys never got touched appropriately never got touched as man-to-man. And hugging is important, even if you don't think it is, gentlemen. Because it breaks down walls in you. Breaks down those things that God wants to break down so that he can move through you. So it's intentional. Be prepared. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 um, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven, your heavenly Father. Giving glory to God is a right reason. It's probably the right reason to ask for Holy Spirit to, to move in our lives. Think about this. When you bless others, when you do something that is a blessing to others around you, don't just hide it. And that's not to say go and, you know, from the top of the rooftops, hey, look what I did! What was that? Yeah, you want to get that on video? We put it on YouTube. I don't know. It felt like I was suddenly um, channeling Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> where was I going there? Um, <laughs> but no, no, but you know, it's not something that you sit there and you proclaim from the rooftops necessarily. Maybe you do. Maybe it is something where you need to do that. 
you know, look what our church did. It's so awesome. It's not just about the church. It's about you as an individual that's following after a living God. If you do something, it's good to share with people that story because that story may impact other people's lives. Maybe there's somebody else that wants to be that, that, that blessing to others. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh, you know what we did? We, we did this. We helped this, this family this way. Right? And somebody else was like, wow, that's awesome. I could do that. Right? Or maybe you're the one that was blessed, and you have the opportunity to tell somebody else, you know, dude, you got to go to church. <laughs> dude. Okay. No, I don't know where I'm channeling that, but, um, but maybe, maybe, you know, it's like, you need to go to church. You, you got all these problems. You got things happening with your kids. You're, you're struggling. You're constantly having issues. You need to go to church, not because you have those issues, but here's what happened in our life and what God has done in our life through other people in the church. It's an opportunity to learn, to give glory to God for those situations. Blessing others glorifies our God. People will praise God when they begin to see how our God uses us to bless others with our gifts, our time, that's a huge one, our resource. And I'm so thankful how my family has been in a constant state of blessing since we've moved here to Wenatchee. And there's some of you who have blessed my family too much, and you know who you are. I say too much, and it's not really. It's just, it's an over and abundance. It's that overflow. It, it, it makes your heart overflow in other areas. When people help you in areas where you're weak, it makes the other areas that you, are, you may be already be a little bit strong in even stronger. Um, my faith. I, I think spiritual gift of faith was not necessarily super low on my list. It was probably just right in the middle. But I'll tell you what, when I moved here, from day one, I don't know what it was, but my faith, maybe it's all the times I prayed for it. <laughs> God, build my faith, build my faith. I've come in and I've seen, I've seen God moving. And I've seen an image of, of a church off in the distance of who we are going to be. And my faith is like expectant hope. I have this hope and this expectancy that that's where God's taken us. This is why the vision, why taking time to pray about it, why we're looking at it. And I hope you're still praying for that, that our vision as a church would be solidified, that we would all be able to say yes and amen. I love our church. I love how the Holy Spirit operates, and I love what He can do in a church. And I've been praying as we go through this series on the forgotten God. And it's kind of a, kind of a I don't want to say tongue-in-cheek title, but the title of the book was The Forgotten God and you know, Rediscovering the Holy Spirit. I think it's kind of like sometimes we would throw the baby out with the bathwater or the Holy Spirit out with whatever. And it's, the Holy Spirit's not a leftover. The Holy Spirit's not a thing, oh, that's, that's for the uber-Christian. 
That's the, you know, that's a, um, the accessories. I just want the base model, you know. The Holy Spirit's not leather seats and, and, and like the CD changer. The Holy Spirit is part and parcel of the life of the living God, the Trinity, triune God, three parts in one. And when we live in the Spirit, when we operate in the Spirit, there is a fullness of life, a fullness of faith that goes beyond our ability to fathom. When we talk about peace that goes beyond understanding, we can just take peace at the, uh, faith beyond understanding. I mean, uh, you know, you can just keep inserting in those gifts. When we get those gifts coming into our lives, the prophetic beyond what we can imagine, they all fit that when we're operating in the Spirit. And I know we're going long. We've got some, some good food downstairs and maybe some good fellowship. But I've been excited going through and, and looking at what the Holy Spirit is, is speaking in our midst. And I'm excited to see where he's going to take us next. So I hope you have that, that expectant hope as well. I'm praying for it. I'm not praying for patience. That's, that's on you guys. If you want to pray for that, but God bless you. I'm going to stay over here. <laughs> but won't you stand with me? We're going to just pray and send you out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to worship you, the opportunity to, uh, to stand together and say yes and amen to the things of the Spirit. We say yes and amen, God, to how you can move through us as your currency, God. Spend us as you will because we know that when you spend us, we're still worth something. Our church is still worth something. And even when we spend things out of this congregation, God, you're going to infill this congregation even more. So God, rather than holding on to what we have, God, we give it freely. We ask that you give us freely that we might see your more. Have us decrease so that you increase not just in our lives, but God, in our community, in our families' lives, in our extended families' lives, in the big C church, in our country, in our world. God, move. Holy Spirit, move and bring about a change in us. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Be sent, but love each other a little bit on the way out. Maybe go down and eat.